changed by you. Speak to us, God. Let us have fun and let us learn. Let there be depth and laughter. Let there be tears. Let there be changing while enjoying the fellowship of this moment. In Jesus' name, the church says... Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Notepads, phones, whatever you got to do. Take a... Take, a, take notes, people. I'm going to start you out with one verse. If you want to look it up, you can. If you just want to write it down, you can do that also. One verse. We're going to come back to it. It's the anchor of this whole lesson. John chapter 13, verse 34. You ready? A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. A new commandment that I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. A new commandment. Love one another as I have loved you. As you see by our title, we're talking about offense. You ever been ticked off by somebody? Yes. A sibling, a parent, a classmate, a co-worker. You just, oh, they, mm, they said that. They did. They, they smacked and they ate their food. Oh, I hate it. They did that. Oh, oh. Oh, she took my shoes. Oh, mama took my shoes. Oh. Don't you hate when your mom can fit in the same clothes you wear and she's jacking your stuff all the time? Oh, makes you no. so mad. No. Don't you hate when your sibling is smart with you and they'll put in their place? Oh. Your mom says that. Your dad says that. We can get offended pretty quickly, okay? It's just how we are. You ever been offended? Anybody ever? You just oh, ate up. You ever felt so mad at somebody you just want to pop? You just shoot in your pillow? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. Taking offense and causing offense is who we are as humans. It's a human condition. We are all flawed. We all have emotions. And they are here and there. We have highs and lows. Being offended and offending others around us, it's just, it's going to happen, okay? In a perfect world where nobody offends each other, that we all want it, it's not, it's not real, okay? If you think that you're never going to offend anybody and no one's ever going to wrong you, it's not going to happen. It's a symptom of sin. It's a symptom of sin. Adam lived in perfection, but he offended God. You know what sin is? It's causing offense to God. God, you want this of me. You have expectations, and I fall beneath them. I sin. I offend you. It's just who we are. It's just who we are as human beings. We're going to offend somebody, and someone's going to offend us, and we cannot avoid it. Taking offense and causing offense is a human condition. 
But see, taking offense, being offended, even though it is, it happens to us and we're going to cause offense, taking offense is a choice you make every single day. Whether or not I will be offended and whether or not I will respond in anger. How I respond is a choice we make every single day, yet we don't realize it. Because here's what, your emotions convince you, oh, I just can't help myself. She said it. She, she said that thing and it talked about my hair and I just had to, I had to put her in place. I just had to, I snapped. I, I was justified. I had to go off because they did me wrong. They were wrong. I had to prove I was right. And you, your emotions try to convince you that it was natural. You couldn't stop yourself. And so we're in these moments and someone snaps at us or wrongs us or says something mean to us. A parent, a sibling, a teacher, a classmate. And we respond instantly with anger. We do this thing. We sow and we reap. Whatever you sow into me, I give back to you. You talk mean to me, I'll be mean to you. You wrong me, I'll wrong you. You snap at me, I will snap back at you. It caught in this cycle of, of, I'll give back to you what you give to me. There's this thing called agency that we forfeit. The ability to decide how I respond. You give that away. When someone does something wrong to you, or is short with you, or frustrated with you, and you give it back to them, you're giving them power of your emotions. Because you respond the way they treat you. You cause offense to me, and I will be offended, and I will respond and lash back out to you. And you're giving them the power, the ability to control your emotions and your response. But taking offense is a choice you and I make every day. Jesus Christ came down. God in the flesh came down. Man had offended God's rules and standards. He had sinned. And man was separated from God forever unless Jesus came down and died as the perfect sacrifice. He comes down as a man. I love these people. I walked and I talked to the Israelites for thousands of years. Led them out of bondage. I, I, I was there when they were persecuted. I heard their cries. I dropped manna from the sky. I fed them from the sky. Everything they ever wanted, I gave to them. And now I've come. I've come in the form of a man. And I'm going to live among them and teach them. And I'm going to save their souls. He comes down. And the man, the, 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 the creation that he got face to face with and breathed life into, he loves man more than anything else. He comes down and they deceive him. They mock him. They curse him. They reject him. They stone him. They, they, they come after him. Man rejects God. Man defies God. Man gossips about God. Man denies God. But yet he didn't do anything. He could have called out angels. He could have sent justice. He could have responded the way they acted towards him, but he didn't. Mankind, who he loved the most, put a spear in his side, knelt him to a cross, and put a thorn, a crown of thorns, in his scalp. He's sitting there. The final beats of his heart. And they are laughing at him and cursing him. He came to die for them. I love you. And you treat me this way? I love you and you talk about me? I sit next to you, you're my friend, but you text about me? You said this, you said that? And you're sitting there. And he's sitting there and he's beating his last, his last heartbeat. And he's breathing. And all of this, he is a man. He feels the emotional pain of being rejected. The gossip, the denial. And what does he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What was he teaching us? Taking offense is a choice. Jesus Christ came down and bore every offense.
that was ever imaginable. The, the most rejection ever felt by a human being, Jesus Christ felt it. The hardest pain, and, and the hardest pain and suffering emotionally happened to Jesus Christ, but yet he didn't call out angels. He didn't curse them. He didn't drop them. He didn't kill them. He didn't even respond. He didn't even show them justice. He didn't prove that they were wrong. He didn't come after them. They deserved it all, but he said, forgive them, God. Forgive them. Why? Taking, a, taking offense is a choice you and I make every single day. He could respond. Here's what we do. How you treat me, I will treat you back. So we want Old Testament justice for those that wrong us, get on our nerves, talk about us, wrong us, uh, offend us. But yet, when we wrong somebody, we want New Testament grace. Write that down for me. Old Testament slash New Testament. How quick we are to want forgiveness, but how quick we are to give judgment. Taking offense is a choice. It's not up to your emotions. It's not up to, to your, your blood sugar levels. I love that excuse. I'm a, my blood sugar. I'm sorry, I mean, my blood sugar. I do that all the time to Hannah. She does not take it. No, straighten up. Taking offense is a choice you make. Jesus Christ bore every offense. They wronged me. Yeah, you wronged God. She said this. My parent took my phone. I, I, yeah, but you wronged God. You sinned. You've done something just as worse as somebody else. How quick we are to judge, but how quick we are to ask for grace. Taking offense the choice you make every single day. John 3, 15. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That word love is not your normal just face value love. There are four words for love in the Greek. I'm about to lose you. Just try to keep up, okay? Four words for love in the Greek. Philia love is brotherly love. What's up, bro? How you doing? Yeah, that's love. That's brotherly love. Philia love. Then there's storge love, family affection. How are you doing? Good to see you. It, it, it's blood. It's, it's family affection. There is eros love, which is sensual love. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's that type of love. And there's one more. Agape love. Agape love is sacrificial love. Agape love is I will love you despite needing anything in return. It is unconditional love. The Bible could have picked out of those four loves to put in that verse, but guess which one it used? For God so agape the world that he gave his only begotten son. For God so loved, for God so unconditionally, without need of change, without need of, of, of them apologizing, God loved them so much. Without need of anything in return, he came down as a man to give his all to them. What does that say? God loved man before man apologized. God forgave man before man ever said, I'm sorry. God came down and said, I love you and I will accept you before you even tell me you need me. Man mocked God, said we don't want God. We don't even need you. How hard is it to forgive somebody that doesn't want your forgiveness? I'll forgive them if they want it. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll cry and hug and everything. But that person that doesn't want your forgiveness, how hard is that to forgive them? They don't even care. They didn't even ask if you're okay. Your parent didn't even come sit down and you say, did I hurt your feelings? They don't even care. It doesn't happen. Well, that's the hardest offense to let go. If you're waiting for them to apologize before you forgive, you're going to have a lot of heartache in life. Taking offense is a choice. And Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, said, I, I will come down. 
and I will die for you before you ever say you want me, before you ever apologize, before you ever change. I don't need to convince you that I'm right. There's a lot of times you need to forgive somebody without needing to convince them you're right. Because it just won't happen. Arguments will go on. I, there's a lot of times, me and my dad, we just got to walk off. Because we're so stubborn and we have so, like, we're not going to work out. But I, we love each other enough to say, you know what? I don't have to prove anything to you. I love you unconditionally. I will forgive you. We will part ways. We will love and kiss and, and make up without needing either one of us to say that we're wrong or the other to be right. God came down and loved you before you ever said you were sorry. Can you do the same? Taking offense is a choice. Can you love people? Can you forgive your parents? Can you befriend a person in class that still cusses and does things you don't because you love them so much? Can you love them like a brother before they ever change? That is the unconditional agape love. The love that, that God needs you to have is that love that says, I will love beyond offense. Taking offense is a choice. I will give this unconditional love. Jesus is sitting there. He's eating with his disciples. And a, a woman, that is her life is ate up with sin. She comes in and washes his feet with her hair and oil. Oil that equaled up to half a year's salary. The guy that was throwing the party was a Pharisee. He said, if he knew who she was, if he knew where she'd been, if he knew what she said about him, if he knew what he said about her, if he knew how they had wronged him, if he was a prophet, he would say, get out, don't, don't touch me, get out of my life, we were done, you were dead to me. If he knew... The offense they had caused to him, he would not let her into his life. But Jesus Christ allows her to wash his feet because that Pharisee did not know something that Jesus knew. Jesus Christ didn't know her. He knew every sin, every wrong, every lie, every backbite. He knew everything that she ever had done to him, yet he still loved her beyond offense. I love you because you are mine. That was his child. He loved her and accepted her despite all that she'd done to him because she was his. There's a lot of times you have to say, you know what, I don't know how we're going to work this out, but I will let it go and I will love you beyond my offense because you are my brother in Christ. You are my sister in Christ. You are my actual brother. You are my actual sister. You sit next to me in church. I will let this go. We don't have to argue about this or set the record straight. I will love you beyond offense. I will shake your hand because you are my brother. You are my sister. He let her into his life beyond what she ever did to him because she was his. She was his. The Bible says love your enemy. Not says love your neighbor. But did you know the Bible says 20 times to love your brother? Why does the Bible emphasize so much to love your brother more than anything else? Love your brother 20 times. Why? Write this down for me in your own words. Because offense always is closer to home. Because offense always gets closer to home. The Bible says love your brother 20 times because it wanted to prepare you to show you that offense will always get closer to home. You will be more offended by those that you're closer to than anyone else. Those that are closer to you will cause more hurt to you than anybody else. You will, you, you will lash out them. You will, you will rip into them. You will argue. You will be frustrated with those that are closer to you than anybody else. Because offense always gets closer to home. Listen. We will show common courtesy to a stranger that we will not show to our sisters, our brothers, our fellow church members because we're so comfortable with them. We will bite our tongues 
when a mutual friend wrongs us or says something or ticks us off or gets on our nerves, but yet we will let it fly when we're close to them. You will rip into your legitimate brother and sister. You will, you will lash out at your parents, but you wouldn't if it was someone that you weren't that close to because the more comfortable you are with them, the more free you feel to give them the whole burden of your offense. The more comfortable and closer I am to you, the more free I feel to lash out and throw all my emotions on you because we're comfortable. It's, how can I be so offended, more offended, and have more arguments with those that are closer to me than anybody else? Why is it that way? Because you know it's true. Your parents take you off more than anybody else. Your siblings take you off more than anybody else. You are so, so much quicker to lash out and say things you would not say to anybody else if they were not that close to you. Why is it? Because the more comfortable I am, familiarity breeds offense. The more closer we are, the more free I feel to just say how I feel, just to lash out. And we forfeit the decision that I will choose not to take offense. I will love my brother and my sister with an unconditional love. God loved the woman because he was, she was his. The same thing has happened in your life. I will, I will love you. I will not take offense because you're so close to me. It's prone to happen. Taking offense always is closer to home than anywhere else. Paul saw, crucified, killed people, hunted down Christians. Paul was wiping out Christians. Saul was wiping out Christians. And Saul had just been blinded on a road. Jesus pops up and says, hey, you've been persecuting me. I am God. He goes, go to this city and wait, and I will show you what's going to happen in your life. Little does Saul know. Saul is about to be the guy that wins more people, writes more of your Bible than anybody else. He has no idea. He's sitting in a dark room for three days, blinded. God comes to a man named Ananias and says, Ananias, I need you to go and witness and tell Saul that I'm going to change his life. And I said, wait a second. Do you know who this is? You look it up. You know who this is? Saul has been killing people like me. Saul has been talking about people like me. Saul doesn't live like me. Saul doesn't look like me. Me and Saul got beef. We, we, we saw arguments. We have it. He never said he was sorry. I, I'm offended. We have, we have bad blood. You want me to go witness this guy? He said, yes. Why, God? Because he's mine. He said, I'm, he's my chosen vessel for a purpose. You've got to decide. Taking offense is a choice because you all are brothers and sisters in Christ. Every man, woman, and child, saved and unsaved, was made by God. We don't have time to be offended and show our emotions when there are souls at stake. You can't lash out at coworkers because there are souls at risk. You can't lash out at friends and family because, because God has blessed us too much to throw anger at each other. And so Ananias goes to Saul. Get this. Says Saul, I have come because God is willing and able and about to give you the Holy Ghost and give you back your sight. As soon as he says this, the scales fall off in his eyes. He says, you gotta catch this. He walks up to Saul and says, Brother Saul, God is gonna fill you with the Holy Ghost and give you back your sight. And the scales fall off of his eyes. I want you to notice something. Ananias called Saul his brother before Saul was ever converted. Saul did not have the Holy Ghost yet. Saul was not baptized yet. But yet, Ananias says, Brother Saul. Ananias forgave Saul before Saul ever said he was sorry. Ananias accepted Saul before Saul ever admitted, you were right. That argument the other day, I was wrong, you were right. He loved him. He walked past him. He shook his hand in church before everything worked out. 
Ananias said, you're my brother. Before Saul ever changed, for God so loved the world, he came before we said we were sorry. The agape love, the unconditional love. I will love you in a side I will not lash out. I will love beyond offense. I will not prove I'm right. I will love beyond what my emotions want me to do. I will love because I will love you with the love that God has put into my life. I will love you beyond offense. Because taking offense is a choice. It's a choice I will make today. Brother Saul. Offense always gets closer to home. Luke 6.2, it says, If you only love those that love you, you don't know about love. Luke 6.2. If you only love those that love you, you have no clue what love is. Because sinners will love those that do right by them. But if you can love somebody that has wronged you, if you can love somebody that has ticked you off, if you can bite your tongue and calm your emotions and say, I will not be subject to my emotions, I will decide to love you beyond what I feel, beyond the hurt of the moment. I will decide to give you this unconditional love. That is real love. To love when you're surrounded and consumed by offense is a love of God that I got that love. Okay, we're about to go real quick. Jesus Christ is at the Last Supper. Jesus Christ is all man and all God. So Jesus Christ has emotions, he has fears, he has anxiety. And he is sitting there at the Last Supper. He is moments away from the cross and it is prying upon his mind. The anxiety, the anticipation of the pain. Knowing I'm about to die. I'm about to experience a spear on my side. I'm about to feel all of this. In the weight of the cross, he's lived his whole life at this moment. It's all boiled down to this. Your whole Bible points to this moment. The, the, the weight this man feels is overwhelming. But yet in it all, guess what he says? He has one last message to preach to them. What does he decide to do? Is it um, the last supper, disciples are around, I'm about to go die, I have one last word to give them. Okay, demon, how to cast out demons one-on-one. No, that wasn't, that wasn't his last word. Um, five points to improve your messages. No, I want to know the last one. No, no. Uh, three keys to be a beast on the piano. No, one, no, one, the last one. No, one. How to walk on water with three easy steps. No, no, one, the last one. What did Jesus say? He's sitting there with the weight of the cross on his mind. He says, I have a new commandment for you. Love one another as I have loved you. It's our first scripture. I want you to catch something. That word love, Guess which word of love it is in the Greek? Agape. Agape love. Love one another as I loved you. Love one another with an unconditional love that loves beyond offense. You don't have to say you're sorry. You don't have to do right by me. You can offend me. You can curse me. But I will still love you. I will love you beyond offense. That's powerful. Right there, we can leave it. We move on. Uh, stand up and pray. All that stuff. We can do everything. We miss it. Because not only was he from the cross, Jesus Christ... Sitting there, and he says that 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 statement, love one another, because I've loved you, his last. This is his point. Any lesson he wants to teach. He had just called out Judas. Right before he says, Love one another, as I have loved you, love the unconditional love. He had just told Judas, a man that lived with him for two years, a man that had seen every miracle, a man that had been there through the very beginning, a man that God loved. He had been there thick and thin, they were tight. This was part of his disciples. And the person he thought loved him, has just denied him, has just went away and is going to sell him. And he just calls him out. He says, Judas, go and do what you got to do. And Jesus Christ is sitting there having just done that. I just called out Judas. I'm hurting. I, I'm hurting. My emotions are running wild. I, I, the pain, the rejection is overwhelming. 
But yet I have to tell these people, he's still a man. He still deals with the same things you deal with. I have to tell these people to love one another as I have loved you, but I'm hurting so much. Jesus Christ, being all God, can see into the future. He almost can, if he experiences it before he's there, because he's all God. And so having just experienced the betrayal of Judas, he knows in a couple minutes after I tell all my disciples, love one another as I have loved you, I have to tell Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Oh my goodness, Judas was bad enough, but Peter, Peter, you walked on water. Peter, you're going to build the church. I know that you're going to stand on the day of Pentecost and proclaim the truth. Peter, you said you'd fight for me. You would die for me. But you're going to deny me three times? And so Jesus Christ has just experienced betrayal, and now he's going into, into denial. And he's consumed, and he's overwhelmed by offense. He, his emotions are running wild because he has just experienced pain and he's going into pain. And in the midst of all this anguish, all this wronging, all this backbiting, all this gossiping, all this hurt feelings, he has to tell them, love one another as I have loved you with an unconditional agape love. Write this down for me. The love like Jesus is the love when you're consumed by offense. The love like Jesus is the love while you're consumed by offense. Jesus Christ was surrounded by hurt feelings, surrounded by betrayal, surrounded by gossip, lies, backbiting. She said, he said, you wronged me, I wronged you. He was surrounded by arguments and chaos. Imagine your deepest friends wronging you the, the most they ever could. He's experiencing that. So he's not just saying, love them unconditionally. He's saying, when you're consumed with it, I still need you to love beyond your emotions. Love beyond offense. Taking offense is a choice. I chose to still love you despite what you've done to me, Judas. Despite what you've done to me, Peter. My last point. Yeah, catch this. This is gonna we're gonna work this thing out. Okay, the same story. Jesus Christ knows he's about to call out Judas. Hadn't done it yet. They're sitting at the table, and he gets overwhelmed with emotion. He lets out, one of you is gonna deny me. Just lets it out and stops talking. Oh, awkward. They're all looking around. Who's going to do it? Who's going to deny it? Doesn't say another word. Just lets it lie there. <laughs> That's like me screaming out, What are you, he's a murderer? And just walking off. Like, oh my God, who is it? He says this and lets it go. Where everybody else, I guess they just go back to eating because nobody asked. Only Peter asked. Peter says, Hey, John. See, John's sitting next to Jesus. That was says the one who God loved. You know, he's leaning it next, next to him. And Peter, you know, nosy Peter, outgoing Peter. Hey, hey, John, find out who it is. Yeah, I'm going to show her to find out. John's like, okay, I got you. He goes, and he asks Jesus, Jesus, who's going to deny He goes, John, it's the one that I will hand this piece of bread to after I dip it. And so he does it and says, Judas, go and do what you got to do. He hands it to him and says, Judas, go and do what you got to do. Catch this. None of the disciples, the Bible says none of the disciples understood why Judas left. They didn't get that he was the one that denied him, that betrayed him. They didn't, they didn't get it. They thought he was going out to do business because he helped with the money. None of them got it. But John knows, and Peter asked. So it's not that big of a stretch, okay? It doesn't say it in the Bible, but I believe. Because Peter asked, you know what Peter is? He's outgoing, he's nosy. I'm pretty sure that John made it clear when he found out from Jesus what was about to happen, this is the sign, okay. I'm pretty sure John looked over Peter and said, wait for it. And Peter understood what just happened. You know that look when you, you don't have to say nothing, but you just say, oh, watch this, it's about to happen. And Peter got it. Because John knew, 
Peter asked John. But yet it says none of the disciples knew. So Judas leaves, and only three people know who's going to deny Jesus. Jesus, John, and most likely Peter. Now, why specifically Peter? Why do you think specifically that Peter might have had a chance to be the only ones to know that Judas was the one that denied him right then? I think it's because of this. Peter has no idea that he's about to get called out. He has no idea that the man that loves him the most is about to look at him in the eyes and say, you're going to deny me three times, Peter. Peter is self-righteous right now. Peter is, is proud. I will go to the storm for you. I will go to the cross for you. I will die for you, Jesus. I, I am here by your side. I'll never hurt you, betray you. I'll never talk about you. I am here. I'm devoted. And he looks, and God allows him to see that Judas is the one. And the anger in Peter's heart, how dare he? He lived with Jesus. He saw Jesus open the blind eyes. Judas, how could you ever deny him? You were tight. How could you talk about him? How could you betray him? Judas, how could you? And Peter's getting angry. And Peter's thinking of all the things that Judas deserves. They don't live right. They deserve judgment. Yeah, she snipped her hair. She deserves judgment. He does this. He looks at stuff on his phone. He shouldn't. He deserves judgment. And, she, and he's sitting there. Saying, God, how wicked. How can you throw God's presence on Sunday but live like you're in hell on Monday and Tuesday? He is judging so harshly Judas. How could you, Judas? He is offended. But little does Peter know, in a few moments later, as he's sitting there judging Judas, God turning him to say, you too, Peter. You're going to deny me a few times. You thought Judas was bad. You did the same thing. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. How quick we are to judge those that wrong us or live wrongly or betray us or snap at us. We want Old Testament justice for them, but New Testament grace for ourselves. The Bible says also, For such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were baptized, you were filled with the Holy Ghost. For such were some of you. What, is, what does that mean? That means you're angry that they talked about you, or your parents snapped at you. But you know what? You're probably going to snap at your kids. Yeah, It's easy to look at your parents and say, How dare they ground me? But you're going to ground your kids. You look at your sibling, how dare they be mean to me? They had a bad day, but there's no excuse for their attitude. But you're about to do the same thing, and you know it. How quickly we take offense. How quickly we take offense. It's a choice you and I make every day. Can you love beyond offense? Can you have that agape love? Can you make the decision, I will not let my emotions define how I treat you. I will love beyond it. Because such for some of you, you were sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's in the Bible. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before you said you were sorry, God forgave you. God came down. He was already in motion. He loved you before you said you were sorry. He didn't wait on you to say you were sorry. He already came into your life. Can you hug your brother before they say they're sorry? Before they even want it? Can you say, you know, Mom, you know, I love you. Before she says she was wrong. Before you work it out. Before she gives you back your phone. Can you love beyond offense? I'm going to give you the solution right now. You ready? All this is well and dandy. And you're like, oh, I learned it. You know, be better, be forgiving. Okay. None of this will ever work in your life without the Holy Ghost. Nope. There's only one thing that allows you to overcome your emotions and your anxieties and your, your, your fear, your anger, your agitation. Only one thing that allows you to overcome you. That is the Holy Ghost. It is not willpower. It is not wishful thinking. It is not gratitude journals. It is not, not self-help. Only one thing will hold your tongue when you want to lash out at those around you. The Holy Ghost. Only one thing. 
You have to get a prayer life. You have to get so overwhelmed with God's power that God's grace seeps into you. God's spirit is a manifestation of that agape love. And the more you have of it in you, the more it will shine through you. Here's, you got to get a prayer life. You got to try to speak in tongues every day, y'all. I know that sounds crazy. And I don't do it every day, but I try. You got to try. Ten minutes, five minutes, you, you, you got you to reach. You got to try to speak to God every day and try to get more of his spirit. Because that's going to help you overcome your emotions. Number two, you've got to get in your Bible. Because the Word of God is like code for a program. The more code you type in, the more the program changes. You want to change, but you have no code. You want to change, there's no input to determine that your output would be differently. You want to change the way you treat others? Get that love of God inside of you from prayer. See it in His Word. For God to love the world, that He, he, he came for me. When you that Word of God gets in you, coupled with His Spirit, it will change you. Nothing in this lesson will ever work without prayer or God's Word. Real quickly, taking offense is a choice. Is it a choice you're willing to make that I will love beyond my emotions? I will love beyond offense. I will love like God loved. Because God's love is growing in me every day in my prayer life. And His Word is changing me so that I can love beyond offense. Stand with me. I went about 10 minutes too long. Sorry, y'all. You, did you understand? Did you get it for the most part? Did I lose you? You okay? Some of y'all look like you have a glazed expression. You get it? There's a lot of stuff. You get it? Good. You're going to love people differently. You're going to be a nicer person. Hallelujah. For real, y'all. For real. Okay, this wasn't about my lesson. And I've talked enough. There's one thing that is destroying your prayer life. You ready? Because you know, you know you're, you're suffering. You don't have a prayer life. It's hard. I was listening to a message today, and he was talking about, about prayer. And he said that we're so performance-based, and we think that, that God judges us on our performance. And so when we try and we fail, we think God is saying, see, you're just not good enough. And so when you try to pray, but you miss a prayer time, or you don't feel anything, and you feel cold, and you only got five minutes a day, and ten minutes the next day, you're thinking God is grading you with a report card up in heaven, and God is judging you on your performance. When Peter stepped out of the boat and walked on the water, he failed. God didn't scold him. God didn't say, you're a failure. God walked up, picked him up, and walked with him. God allowed him to do something that he couldn't do on his own. God didn't judge him for trying. He didn't judge him for failing. God does not judge you by performance or perfection. He judges you by effort. God loves it when you try and you fail, because he can help you. Okay, your prayer life, you feel like it's never going to be good enough. God loves your effort, not your perfection. Your five minutes where you're like, I'm insecure about this five minutes of prayer, I don't feel good enough. God loves that because you fought for that. He saw the anxiety and the insecurity it took for you to pray in your car before school. Or it took for you to pray under your breath. God sees it. Stop chasing perfection. Give God your effort and it will grow. And God will allow his love to be into you and through those around you. In Jesus' name. Lift your hands. God, we thank you for your love and your grace, your mercy, your peace, your passion. Your joy, let it bleed into us and through us. God, change us. God, let us love beyond defense. God, give us the power to give grace when we are given none. Give us the ability to give peace to those that, that bring anxiety into our lives. Give us the ability to give grace when those around us will not show us the same. To love beyond defense. To have that unconditional love. To say, I will love you before you say you're sorry. I will love you before we make it right. I will love you. 
You know, look at me, talk at me, live like me. I will love you beyond offense. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen.